Kiki Ra, and you're listening to For the listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 9th of August. And with me this week, I've got only Joe as Vince is taking a holidays. Apparently not a vacation from the show, just a vacation from being on the show, seeing as he's in the chat room. So how are you doing, Joe? I can't complain. Pretty pretty good weekend so far. How about yourself, Roger? Actually, I, I'm having a nice week. It didn't start off the best, but uh, as I've been saying Every week now, I've been busting my ass trying to get the new site done and all the work done and uh, basically staying up till quite late, not getting enough sleep and I'm pushing and pushing. And um, on Saturday night, I was actually talking to Vince at the time too. We were IMing back and forth and I managed to destroy one of the cascading style sheets that I was working on that I'd spent (laughs) a number of hours working on. And it was... At that point that I should have stopped, but I still kept going for another hour after that. But then yesterday I decided, you know what, screw that shit, I need a break. So I decided to uh, to renew the WoW account and just take a couple of days. So today as well, I just took it easy and I, and I gamed. And, um, and so it, it was a nice break, much deserved. Now I'm looking forward to diving back in full force and, and I'm at a point now where we're ready to just start importing everything from For the Lore as well as all, as all the new stuff that's been written. So it's actually going very, very well. But uh, but no, it was a couple of really fun days getting back in. And excuse me, like I'd been saying too on Twitter, I, I'm, I'm reading the Arthas book right now. And um, I've been reading it slowly for a lot of reasons. A, I don't have that much time again. And also because I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm taking my time and I'm sitting down to read it just periodically. And it's it's just a phenomenal novel. Um, I, I, I'm trying to decide whether I'm liking it even more than the Thrall novel that Chrissy wrote. And I, so far, I'd like to say that I think it's better written. I think that the characterizations are better and it's not because of Horde versus Alliance crap because I play in both. It's And I really love the story of Thrall, but she's doing such a good job with this one. And I'm not even done yet. So, and I know you absolutely loved it as well. I, I did. I actually, I really, really did. Now, I think Thrall is a, a more well-rounded character than Arthas, but Christine Golden goes in and she really does the best to bring out not just one aspect of Arthas, she brings out all of the aspects of oh, Arthas. Yeah. And the way she tells the story is phenomenal. I mean, if I were Richard Knack, I'd be taking notes because this is the way you make a story that gets used as canon because everything she's done in here is canon as well. So, I mean, and she took stuff, little little tidbits that we've known from 
the past of him and just flesh them out, giving them depth, giving them, you know, meaning and purpose. And, and the story is so well done. I mean, she really does phenomenal, especially with an IP like this. One well, that's already been well established. I think you hit the nail on the head there, too, in that Thrall is most certainly a, a, a more iconic character, a, a more interesting character for more, most people as well, and has a lot more depth. And it's not to say that she didn't do a, jo- a good job in that book, because quite obviously she did a phenomenal job. But I think that her writing talents have improved since then, gotten even better. Um, and also, she's again, she's taking something that maybe we would look at as... A second, not a, I don't want to say second-rate novel, but you know, not as good as taking such an epic character as Thrall. But she took it and she made it something that, at this point, I'm thinking is more captivating. And the anguish that you're feeling through that novel is phenomenal. I, it's, the, she does the, such a good job with that. I would say the tone she used throughout the book too, and I know it's a lot of a lot of things that people don't really understand is like the tone of a writing uh, a piece of work like that there there is a certain tone there is a certain feeling that gets conveyed through it and she really did do a fantastic job oh, yeah. and it, it's not and it, it didn't read like an amateurish novel it didn't read like a mary sue novel it read even if you had no clue any part of the history of the game if you had no clue who the characters were it's a great story with well, a great voice and it is something that you can read regardless of if you play the game because Bingo. it is it is far enough removed in terms of how it is written that you don't feel you are actually in the middle of a, a, a game IP. And yet, if you do know the game IP, it is so rewarding. It's unbelievable. Case in point, I was, and and, and this is, you know, I didn't pick up the book. It was a gift from my, my daughter, who I love her dearly for doing this. But reading a WoW novel when you're trying not to play... <laughs> Really, especially this one, because it was like, I'm reading the part where he is purging Stratholme. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm dying to run a calling a Stratholm. (laughs) It's driving me nuts. That was the greatest I am from you. Need calling of Stratholme. (laughs) And it's that well done. Now, when I was playing before on on my 80s and and I did calling a Stratholme so many times that, you know, it it, it was a fun fast run, but I could care less about the lore at that point. And I mean, once you've listened to the beginning once, that's it. Just let's just skip it. It got to the point where when they finally introduced the way to skip it, it was thank God. And yet now I'm dying to get back in just so that I can listen to the beginning again, just to to glean over anything that that you know ties in with what she said it was she wrote so yeah so anyway so i've been um, playing the last couple of days too and i've been sitting exclusively on my hunter and um i i got him up th- three levels and i managed to tame two of the spirit beasts today only so <laughs> i got oh, both I cats you. yeah i got uh, both cats today i dinged six, 76 so i thought hey i'm let's go see if luck what the hell his name is is there and uh and i just literally flew in and i'm on my slow mount too like my slow flyer because i don't have five thousand. so the slow flyer and i'm going in then all of a sudden boom there he is and i go down to tame him and i lay down my frost trap because that's the rule and uh, the bastard jumped behind me though so he didn't hit the frost trap so i died on the first one so now i'm panicking that somebody else is going to spot him because i'd kind of made some friends in (laughs) 
Salazar Basin while I was there. There were some unhappy hordes. And uh, <laughs> and I made it back and pff, tamed him like nothing. And then I did a few instant runs. And then I dinged 70, uh, 77. Or no, sorry, 70. Anyways, the, the level for Gondria. Gondoria. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Yeah. And uh, so I thought, well, let's go check to see if he's there. Sure enough, just flew by the zone there he was tamed him both of them were so bloody easy it was unbelievable so i'm hoping that the wolf is going to be that easy i the wolf was pretty easy to find i'm still hunting for the bear i want the damn bear but every time i log in it's it's just not there and i have my hunter logged at his exact spawn point so i'll just log in and check it 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 before i do anything else like before i go to bed i pop it up when i get up in the morning i pop it up just to see so i want that fucking bear see i got the bear but the the bear actually was a little bit harder but even then i mean i spent one evening flying around while i was doing some quests and stuff and i basically grinded all the other bears and the wolves in the area and everything just to get some um some experience. Oh. Uh, no, he doesn't have any professions. I didn't want to waste any time with him. And then what I, I'd read too is that if you're there early in the morning, you might luck out and he's there. And so when I got up for work the next morning, I immediately bounced in and pff, he was right there. Tamed him in seconds. So it was it was easy as hell. Hate you a little bit. Yeah, so I've got the three of them. And then I've got my core hound from Molten Core. And... Um, that was a tough one to get. That goddamn that bastard would t- <laughs> was hard to get because I got it at level, the the earliest level you could get one. That's when I got it, and I had my guildies helping me too, and it was bloody freaking hard. Hey, Rick actually helped me one time because we tried to tame the actual the beast, the big mob, which right. is impossible. Forget it. You're not gonna do it. So then I tamed one of the the, the crowns from Molten Core. So I've got three spirit beasts, and I got him, and then I got a little old spider. So by the time I get to uh, the wolf, I'm gonna have to ditch the spider and keep the wolf, which means I'm all I'm gonna have spirit beasts for all of them. I won't be able to use my my marksmanship build. Ah, but then come Cataclysm, you're yeah, gonna but be that's able to use coming all when all of them. Yeah, but that's when. Well, actually, I should say WoW 4.0. I don't know. Probably pretty soon for the actual update for WoW 4.0. Um, I thought that was still pretty- a while. I thought it was still pretty buggy, what I'd heard. Mm, the pet stuff on the Hunter is actually pretty rock solid. I have a Hunter over there on the uh, the beta server right now. I transferred my Hunter over. The new stable system is freaking sick. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, As I- is the new uh, focus system. Um, I actually really enjoy it, and I find myself enjoying my Hunter quite a bit more, and it makes it very hard not to, not to dump my healing shaman sometimes because I do miss that Hunter quite a bit. But it is. It's a, a lot of the stuff from the, the 80 to 83, while there is some quests are still buggy. some of the zones are still buggy that's stuff that they can push out but the changes to the classes aren't all that buggy right now so they could do a 4.0 release with all the new abilities and be perfectly fine and just have to worry about making the world stable so i mean so far the the abilities seem to be shaping up to be ready for almost ready for release i know uh short of a few changes i mean shaman are pretty good hunters are pretty good warriors are actually pretty solid too from what i've seen i have a little gnome warrior running around over there um so I mean, they're they're starting to get to that place where I don't think WoW 4.0 is going to be too far off. Oh, that'd probably, be good. Yeah, probably that'd a couple be good. months. And is that's going to be introducing the new um, the t- new talent trees, or are they going to just introduce that with Kata? I think that's just going to be with 
no, I think that's going to be with 4.0, all the new talent trees and everything. Because that's but what I, I just, thought I'd read as well, that it was going to be, they were going to be introducing it before Cata comes out. Which is um, the same thing they did with the big change from uh, WoW 1.0 to WoW 2.0. They put all the new talents, all the new abilities and everything in. Uh, and uh, so 2.0 to 3.0, I think, did the same as well. Yeah, again, that might change, but that is what I remember reading, that they were going to be introducing the new talent trees prior to Cataclysm coming out. Um, but again, there's time for that to change. So let's get away from some WoW right now, and let's talk about the new EverQuest. And actually, I'm going to let you tackle that sucker. Well, the new EverQuest was actually announced by Sony uh, when they were talking in an interview-style Q&A with players about what's called EverQuest Next. Um, EverQuest 1 is one of those games that everybody has been playing forever. You know, it's like Ultima Online. You can log in and still see people playing it. Uh, it's not going to die. Well, EverQuest 2 was supposed to bring those players over into their new line, but didn't quite do its job. There's still more people playing EverQuest 1 than EverQuest 2, I think. Uh, but right now what they're talking about is a return to some of the ideals of EverQuest 1. And the, basically, they're going to support all three games. They're going to support EverQuest 1, they're going to support EverQuest 2, and they're going to support EverQuest Next. Um, but they're talking about each class having clear roles uh, with unique flavors that are a little more obvious than EverQuest 2. So this is going to be something similar to EverQuest 1, where every class, you knew exactly what it could do. There was no gray areas. Um, they're also talked about migrating players over. They really don't want to try to migrate players from EverQuest 2 to EverQuest Next. They want those games to run independently so this is going to be a brand new game uh, and the game is not being made for kids uh, this is a big thing a lot of people complain about their MMOs being being watered down a lot of their MMOs being tainted uh, so to speak uh, with with this PC aspect in order to make them kid friendly EverQuest Next does not aim to be kid friendly it is going to be an adult game um, it is going to be um bloody visceral it is going to be hardcore it's going to have monsters it's going to have dec decadence it's going to have decay it's going to be a very adult mmo which is something a lot of people have been asking for uh for a while the qt mmos are fun but you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna pump it up a little bit and uh, they also do you think they're, they're trying to do this now because they're seeing the the lack of such a game, I mean, with the exception of Conan, there hasn't been that many games that have done that. And now they're looking at EQ and WoW are very similar beasts in a lot of ways. So why not try to make EQ be something that WoW is not? And that is this more mature game to appeal to people's sensibilities in that regard. Honestly, what I really have to, to say, I think, is the main motivator is the announcement of games like the Warhammer 40K MMO. Warhammer 40K is a very dark, dingy world full of mutants and sex and violence and, and corruption and is going to be a very visceral game. And the response that game announcement have, had, even though it was just a teaser trailer, was so huge that the game companies can't ignore that. They can't ignore the player's... Uh, the players base that they want something a little more mature. I mean, look at some of the other games we've been playing and how popular they were. Um, let's just, just go with some console games right now. Red Dead, Red, Red Dead Redemption, not a very child-friendly game. It has violence and sex and murdering. It has a lot of different things that you can do in there that are not exactly kid-friendly, but it was a hugely successful game. Alan Wake's another one. Alan Wake is a very scary, uh, very, very frightening game 
disturbing game and it was largely accepted as one of the better games of the entire year and the year's not even remotely over yet so you have these games that are starting to be more adult focused uh not, not even to mention uh, Dead Space and Dead Space 2, which is highly anticipated. These are not kid games. The game industry is you're going to have your niche for the kid games. You're going to have these games that are, are family friendly, like Lego Universe. But you need to have something that's going to pander to the adults. And EverQuest Next can be that niche for them and they can drop it while these other games are still trying to strike a balance. This is a weakness that Blizzard does have with their games. They keep trying to strike this balance for a family accessible game while still allowing hardcore people, you know, what they want. Sony's saying, fuck it, we're just going to create a whole new game specifically for adults. Let's go for it. I think that's great, too. And if 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 they can change the game enough that it is going to be something that's very engaging and not not like EQ2, um, then fantastic. And if they can make it something that is going to be more geared towards adults, that will keep some of the kids off of the servers. Not all of them, but it will keep some of them. And I think that's great because I would like to see... I would like to take part in games, and this is not a slander against, you know, anybody who's younger by any means, um, but when you reach a certain age, it's nice to play games with people your own age, and it's nice to be able to be with, you know, a, a guild that you know are all adults, and that you can have that in common and be able to just kind of relax together, so, and that's something that is very, very difficult in WoW, I mean, because even most guilds will still be saying... It's, it's a mature guild, but we have a couple of members that are a little young, but don't worry, they're all right. You know, it'd be nice to have a game that's more geared towards adults, all of it, and then the content as well, that, something that you can all enjoy. It is. It's a little bit refreshing. Uh, it's and, and I'm not a huge EverQuest player by any stretch of the imagination, but I can see the value here, and I can see this helping to push the industry to create another niche. And I mean, I often said there's no such thing as a wow killer anymore. There's only carving your own niche and dominating that niche. Having an adult-oriented game that you can dominate, that's a huge thing. And Sony definitely has the money to put behind it to make it worthwhile. Okay, so from one mature game to another, you were mentioning Red Dead Redemption, and now we've got the Legends and Killers uh, DLC that is going to be coming out tomorrow. Yes. You're definitely picking this up. Uh, For the $10 price, I will definitely be picking it up. Um, The game offers new quests, new new co-op modes, and new player models uh, for multiplayer that are just, it's worth the $10. It is... Again, Red Dead Redemption is one of those games where it has taken, it took me by surprise. I did not expect it to be uh, quite, uh, quite a bit, how should I put it? It surprised me by just being so good, by being this truly cinematic experience. And by the stuff that they're adding to this game, it just furthers it. Uh, One of the coolest things I think I like is the tomahawk weapon. The tomahawk weapon is just insane. I mean, come on! Somebody's jumping through the air. You, you scalp them at range with a with a, you know an axe. It's awesome. Uh, it just it just it likes to see that they're really putting thought into keeping the game alive. It's not just a one shot, and it's reasonably priced for everything you get. You know, for ten dollars, you get different maps, you get different zones, different character models, more achievements, which I'm an achievement whore. Um, so I mean, it's nice. It's it's well worth the ten dollar price chain or price point and i think it's something we'll see a a lot of people pick up 
Yeah, definitely. And because they've also talked about all the different ones that are going to be coming out for this, um, it's not a matter of guessing whether or not they're going to keep the IP going strong. You know that it's going to be going on for a little while. Did they say how many hours we can expect out of this? Uh, they did not. Um, however, I think it's more multiplayer focused than it is single player focused. So you're probably looking at maybe a couple hours worth of co-op quests and a lot more uh, deathmatch type stuff because of the different the different maps they're putting in and the new character models they're putting in, uh, including the addition of the original uh, Red Dead Revolver models as multiplayer models that could be picked up. So, I mean, I think that's more focus on that right now because the multiplayer is ridiculously fun, but it is very limiting right now. Yeah, I can't wait till the poker one comes out. That's seriously yes. that's the one that I am. I cannot wait to be playing that shit. That'll be a blast. I don't blame you at all. Okay, let's get off of that now. And you were looking at this limbo game on Xbox Live. I can't play the trailer, folks, just because there's no way to control the volume. It's bloody freaking loud <laughs> but it's, it's pretty cool for anybody who was watching during pre-show there's like giant spiders and lots of axes and things that want to hurt you basically i love side-scrolling adventures i love games like braid i love games like uh the misadventures of pb Winterbottom. they're fun games they're nostalgic games but they allow you to do a lot and having done the whole game design for a two-dimensional platform now i understand exactly how much you can actually do in nothing but a 2d platform well in limbo you're pretty much a dead child in limbo where everything in this world is trying to eat you giant spiders knives animated objects the whole nine and it does actually just it creates a sense of dread and gloom and emo-ness that is absolutely fantastic and for the price point which i believe it's roughly about ten dollars worth of points on xbox live i think it's like 1200 points or something like that it's worth it to me it's worth it to see this this beautiful lighting this beautiful dynamic art style uh this great gameplay where you literally are just afraid of everything that's there, period. Uh, the, you, those shadows, those might not be friendly little shadows. That might be a giant spider coming to eat your face, you know, and there's a lot of puzzle solving. There's a lot of jumping, a lot of platforming, which is always a recipe for win in my book. Well, I, what I like is that they've, they're able to convey so much with just black and white. I mean, there, yes, there's there's some some shadow detail in the back and all that, but I mean, you're, again, you're looking at black and white, and yet you're feeling this. I'm playing it now because I found something on YouTube where I can control the volume. But I mean, you're feeling the angst when that giant spider is about to impale him, <laughs> and it's all just shadows. You're actually feeling it like that. You, if you're able to do something like that from a Again, from a, a, a little side scroller, more power to you. That's just phenomenal. And, and that's really that it really showcases the ability of these developers, these programmers to make such a great game in what is seemingly such a small package. And if you have the time, if you have the money, it's worth picking up. It's worth spending a little time with and sitting down. Um, there's a there's a, I believe there's a demo available on Xbox Live. If you guys don't want to spend the points, you can download the demo and, and try out the free demo for a little bit. Give it a shot. I mean, games like this, they may seem like a dime a dozen, but being able to stand out so uniquely against all the others is a big thing. And Limbo really does do that. 
All right, let's move on to um, one of the big releases that's coming out in September, and that is Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, which I know you're dying to play. And the more I'm watching these freaking trailers, the more I'm getting excited about it too. I'm actually going to play it for the folks here in the audience while... I am, we're talking about it here. Make sure the volume's off. Um, this has just got some interviews with Stan Lee as well, which is pretty freaking hilarious, actually. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's pretty funny to see what he sees of himself or or of Spider-Man and himself. It's, it's pretty funny stuff. Um, but the game is looking phenomenal. Like, the more that we're reading about it and seeing about it, yeah, it is starting to hook me now. I am a huge Spider-Man fan. I always have been. I always will be. And every time there's a game released, I'm either really happy or really sad. And until recently, I've been really sad. Most of the games have sucked. Web of Shadows was probably the the best game out of all the ones that have come up recently, as far as gameplay goes. Now comes along Spider-Man Shattered Dimension, which allows you to play as four different versions of Spider-Man. You're talking about Ultimate Spider-Man. You're talking about Spider-Man 2099. You're talking about the amazing Spider-Man and the newcomer to the scene, which was printed about, I believe, two years ago, uh, Spider-Man Noir. And each character adds a unique flavor, a unique art style, a unique lighting scheme, unique scenery, and you have to play as all four to get through the game. Um, The the whole storyline hasn't been released yet, but these are four four very iconic personalities of Spider-Man and having all of these different art styles, all of these from cell shading to super ultra realistic. Um, I, I really do love it. I really do absolutely adore it. And to hear Stan Lee talk about it as excited as he is now, he's an old man. He doesn't really get excited about much anymore, you know, and to hear him sit there and talk about how he's loving how this game is being developed, loving how the, each aspect of the characters uh, is starting to come through and to see four very distinct Spider-Man personalities uh, to showcase in one game to allow the players such versatility and, and such depth to the Spider-Man universe it's, it's heartwarming, honestly, and I can't wait. Uh, the combat sequences are, are showing, uh, just from what you can see, all the stuff in the trailer, that's in-game footage. That's not CG. Those combat sequences, that's what they're taking from their from what they've been developing. That's spot on. That's the type of stuff, that's the type of quality you'll be able to see in this game. And I can't wait for this thing to be released. I have pre-ordered it. I will be picking it up on day one, and you may not see me for a week, because I freaking love it. I... <laughs> Yes, yes. Whoop. I didn't know if you guys could hear that. And <laughs> see, this is why sound on these. Okay, let's turn the sound off. I was just trying to find something else for, to show people about it. <laughs> Stupid flash sites. God damn it. <laughs> if this were my iPad, we wouldn't have had this problem. So, yeah, no, the, um, again, the more that I've been reading about it, and, and, it, and it is that concept of having to play through these. F- these four dimensions to be able to get through the game. I think that's actually, it's, it's an interesting concept and it's, it'll be something different than what we've been seeing lately. So it should be a a lot of fun. And for anybody who is a fan of the, the, the comic books, let alone the the movies and whatnot, but the actual comic books, like I, I, that was one of the series that I used to collect back in the day. Like (laughs) let's date myself here (laughs) a quarter century ago. (laughs) These are the comics I used to collect. And, um, like I had tons of them. And so I do have an affinity for the character as well, which is why even though a lot of people would slam the modern movies, I've I've still enjoyed them just because I like the character so much. You oh, know what I mean? Um, there's, there's also something I really should um, 
put out there. Um, there is rumors that Neil Patrick Harris will be doing the voice work for Spider-Man. No way. Dead serious. Um, Neil Patrick Harris voiced the wall crawler in Spider-Man in the new animated series, which was the new one that was released. And uh, he did a fantastic job. He is wisecracking. He's got the great voice. In which uh, one? Whoa, 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 whoa. Which, which anime? Spider-Man, the new animated series, which was recently. This was recently released on, I believe it was Cartoon Network or... or You're not talking about Spectacular Spider-Man, though. No, no. It no, was because called that's... The, it was, okay. Well, damn. It was literally called the new animated series. Um... So, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely awesome. And I think that's, I think he's a great choice for it. I think he <sighs> really would help bring that character alive. Um, one thing I, I, I think is, is most misrepresented in the movies, while Tommy McGuire may have looked the part of the emaciated teenager, you know, Peter Parker, he definitely didn't sound the part. And they didn't give, uh, you know, enough room for the writers to actually write it out as if it was the real Spider-Man. That's one thing I definitely felt gypped on on the movies was just I didn't have my witty repertoire. But Neil Patrick Harris voicing this character will bring that to the game. He'll bring that smart assness. He will bring that enthusiasm. He will bring that that youthful miscreant to life. Okay, are you? That's going to be a huge deal. Is he voicing it for this game? Yes. Well, goddamn! Now I'm definitely buying it. Now, oh my god! Doing, it, you're sure now? now? He's, you know he's doing one of them. Um, they, I believe they are bringing back Josh Keaton, uh, who was the voice of the Spider-Man in the Spectacular Spider-Man in 2003. Um, they're talking about Dan Gilvezon, who is Spider-Man and his amazing friends from 1981 to 1983. He'll be voicing one of the Spider-Men, uh, and you're talking about Daniel Christopher Barnes, um, who voiced Spider-Man in the 90s series will be coming back. So all these iconic voice actors will each have their, uh, their, their voices heard throughout this game. So you'll have a unique voice actor for each of the four Spider-Mans, but they're all iconic. They're all oh, awesome. They're, that is yeah, awesome. They, there you go right there. <laughs> Tell me that's not awesome. That is awesome. See, yeah. I, oh, see, we, <laughs> Vince and I did the, <laughs> our second of the comic book episodes uh, podcast last week, which folks, I cannot wait till you guys hear this because we're having a blast with these. But anyways, we talked about uh, Batman under the red hood for a little bit and voicing Nightwing in that is Neil Patrick Harris. And he is fantastic. He's got those fast little quips. He, 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 he steals every single scene he's in it. it so to think that he's actually going to be doing the voice of one of these, which I mean, the, the character is Jenny made is, for that. As Ginny has said, he'll be doing the uh, the voice of the Ultimate Spider-Man. It looks like in this in this series, which is perfect because the Ultimate Spider-Man is a college student uh, who is a. If you've ever read the comics, it's just a ridiculous college student with a brain too big for his own good, uh, and gets himself into all sorts of shit and trouble. And that just screams Neil Patrick Harris to me. Oh. Oh, dude. Okay. All right. Sold. <laughs> See, I, brought, I, brought, I, brought, I brought you a happy to the show. I had no idea that he was involved in that. Seriously, I, anything that he's involved with, I, I, I have loved it. Like the How I Met Your Mother, we ripped through those seasons like several a night. And it's because of him he steals the show. And any movies that we've seen him in, he absolutely steals them all. And then again, this Nightwing performance of his was 
incredible to, to like the fact that he was stealing all of the scenes from Batman and everybody, but he did every single one. And I don't know how much of that was ad libbed just himself or was actually written for him knowing how he performs. So yeah, no, that's, that's way awesome. So well, yeah, this is coming out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it come, it's going to be coming out on September 7th uh, for everybody who wants to pre-order it now. There are pre-order bonuses available through Amazon and GameStop. Uh, GameStop will give you the Cosmic Spider-Man, uh, while the Amazon pre-order will give you the Civil War Tony Stark uh, Iron Spider battle suit Spider-Man. Um, while I'm huge into the Spider-Man thing, I know I personally will not be pre-ordering it through one of them for that. I'm just pre-ordering it to make sure I have one. I could care less about the extras. <laughs> yeah, the suits in this case here really aren't going to... I, I honestly wouldn't care about the suits in this one. Unless it gives me a completely different version of the gameplay, I could give two shits because you're giving me four absolutely wonderful iconic spider-man to begin with i really don't need to have an extra skin in their stories because i don't want cosmic spidey skin in my noir spider-man get that shit out of my noir spider-man but if you want to give me a completely separate playthrough later on down the line that that has a a, a fifth spider-man i would be okay with that but you know they're not going to do that they're, there's no, no they way won't. in hell just, they would do something like cosmetic. that yeah it's purely cosmetic and uh, again you hit the nail on the head there the character costume is iconic to that version of or that dimension that you are in to be able to put a different costume on while you're there in my opinion would actually take you out of the the feel of that dimension and you know and that's one of the things too we talk about being submersed into the game the minute you start adding shit like that and the, the minute you start adding that extra layer to those games you reduce that level of immersion so much that it doesn't even matter anymore yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that's, you know, it doesn't, it, it's not, it's an extra cookie if you want it. I know I'll, I will have the code for it, but I personally will not cash it in. Yeah. Okay. Let's go from one iconic superhero to another. And that would be yes. Batman. And we're finding out more right now about Arkham Asylum 2. Um, hold on one second here. What is it being codenamed as? Arkham City, they're calling it. Arkham City. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'll let you go first. The basic storyline between Batman and Arkham City is that after the events following Arkham Asylum, uh, the inmates have escaped. They have transferred out into the surrounding area, the straits around Arkham Asylum. They have essentially taken over this area. The The, the gates are up. The, they can't get off the, 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 that section of the city, but they still run it. Um, and it, it's another iconic thing because this has happened in, in one of the Batman lines before where the inmates have taken over a small section of Gotham City. But most importantly, this is going to give us a continuation of the story of the first one. A lot of people felt the ending for the first game left a lot to be desired. Well, it wasn't so much an ending as a setup for the second game. And a lot of people say they hate that, but that's a very comic book thing to do. One story arc ends with a trailer with a, a cliffhanger that leads you into the second game. And here we have it. And as you people are watching live can see uh you will see who is survived the first game and has taken his people to wreak havoc on gotham city that's right folks the joker is still alive you can't kill him that well he survived his serum and you know what he's back he's running things and he's about to give batman a whole world of hurt now the cool things about this game is it is still um being scripted by paul dini who is a a batman writer who wrote the first script um 
for Batman Arkham Asylum, which I think is a huge thing because, first of all, he understands it. He understands the comics. He wrote the comics. Uh, he wrote some of the animated series episodes, um, or if not all of them. I, I can't remember. I apologize for that. But to have him come back for a second showing is huge. Now, the reason this is huge for me is because Mark Hamill will be voicing the Joker again as one of his last two video game appearances uh, for well, last appearances ever as voicing the Joker. He will be in DC Universe Online, but he will also be doing the Joker in Batman Arkham City. And that right there is huge because when you hear the Joker voice that's done by Mark Hamill, you can't go wrong. Um, there's Then you look at Kevin Conroy coming back to do the voice of Batman, and who else would you rather have do that that, that script, that, 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 that sort of soulful uh, depth of these characters than Paul Dini himself? who really helped bring these characters to life to a new generation of, of comic readers and, and kids. So the the other thing to note about this is this will not be coming out until the fall of 2011. Now, this may seem a long time away, and people may be feeling very down about it, but this gives the game two solid years of development. That two years of development is huge. This means that they can create a large game, they can create a polished game, they can create a solid story, and create a game that will really stand the test of time. So yes, Batman Arkham City, two years from uh, two years development coming out in 2011 fall, going to be awesome. Well, I call it right now. It'll be probably be the game of that year. Yeah, it is possible. The, if you look at how visually gripping the first one was, and give them two years to improve on that. Look at the gameplay of the first one and how phenomenal the, the, the controls were, everything. And even though they said they thought that the detective mode was a little too powerful and gimmicky, I hope to hell they don't change it too much because it was something that made it unique and different from a lot of the other games and really stand out and really be a lot of fun to play. So I think that it is like, again, given another couple of years on top of that knowing what they already know this stands to be something that is going to be an exceptionally well done game i mean even just the trailer which i know is just cgi stuff but i mean look at how fantastic it looks like the potential for a good story is already there because we know who's doing it the voice acting having conroy and mark hamill is going to ensure that you are really feeling as part of that world that's something again that when we talked about um when Vince and I talked about that on the second comic podcast, the both Batman and the Joker were actually voiced by different people in Under the Red Hood. And it took some getting used to. Now, they did a good job with it. And you, you know, uh, it was uh, Bruce Greenwood, I believe, was the Batman. And uh, John DiMaggio was the uh, the Joker, who is actually the voice of Bender on Futurama. Um, I so saw that, yeah. They did a really good job, but it did take a little getting used to. And it, it because of that time getting used to it, you're not sunk in immediately. And that's something with Arkham Asylum, the first one, that as soon as they started talking, boom, you're there. There's no having to set up the characters. There's no having to, you know, take that adjustment phase where you're you're... You're, you're working your way into the story. No, you're, you're in. You're hitting the ground running. So the fact that they're doing that again with this, yeah, it's, it's a win-win scenario. It really, it, it really is. You hit the nail on the head. It's a win-win for the gamers. It's a win-win for the comic nuts. It's a win-win for those of us who really monitor our money because, well, when we spend our money, we want our money's worth out of it. This is a game that will deliver. 
All right. So you want to talk about Deuce X now? Deus Ex. Uh, oh, I keep is, saying Deuce. God damn it. What the hell? That's okay. Uh, Deus Ex is, is the third game of the Deus Ex, Deus Ex Machina um, games that we grew up on. Um, and there's not a whole lot being released about it as far as videos. There's also only the original trailer, but they've started releasing screenshots of the new game. And to be perfectly honest, it is gorgeous. Um, you have this very cyberpunkish world. Um, you have this this game that's going to be beautifully crafted, not just uh, with gameplay, but look at some of the scenes. Look at the way that everything is drawn out. Look at the the light shafts. Look at the backgrounds. This just screams, absolutely screams Blade Runner. And I love that. I absolutely love that. I think that is a great move on their part, and I think it fits with it. Um, it looks like it's going to be a solid game visually. Will gameplay and story hold up? We have yet to see anything more about that. But right now, it's shaping up to be a very very pretty game yeah when you were saying blade runner that's exactly it um you really do have that feel i mean toss in some rain and harrison ford and there you go it has that same feel to it and the lighting especially when you're looking at these screenshots the lighting is absolutely phenomenal so it is going to be it's definitely somewhere that if if the story is any good in the gameplay you could definitely sink a a lot of hours into this and, and, and it looks like it's going to be a blast. Deus Ex 1 was great. It was a fantastic game. Deus Ex 2 very much played out like a movie sequel. It was just kind of there to be there. Deus Ex 3 does seem uh, to be like this uh, this sort of learning experience. They learned what they did wrong with 2 and it was so long ago that they can take these new technologies and really flush out a world that really deserves to have this new technology. Now they did a great job back when the first games were released, but this is just going to give them so much more room to make these visually stunning game, this visually stunning environment and in interaction with the world that as long as they have that solid writing behind it, as long as they have a solid story behind it, and I will even say this, a solid soundtrack behind this because it needs to have good audio or this whole thing will fall apart. As long as they have that, this will definitely rock our socks. Yeah, looking forward to it too. Um, what do we got next? We got Bioshock 2. We got some news on that. Go ahead. Bioshock 2 is one of those games where a lot of people have kind of really haven't talked about very much recently. Um, it was released, everybody beat it, you know, saw the end sequences, kind of went through it. Um, now they're starting to release add-on packs for single player. Not multiplayer packs, but single player. And right now we're talking about Minerva's Den. Um, it's It'll be Bioshock 2's final piece of downloadable content uh, for the 360. Uh, and it will arrive on the PlayStation 3 and PC this fall. Um, it's going to be a single-player-focused expansion, not just a downloadable content, but an expansion. We'll have you take control of a brand-new character uh, who teams up with Dr. Tenenbaum. That's um, one of those characters that the game kind of was a complaint that kind of got forgotten early on in the game. Uh, and it will unravel, uh, quote-unquote, a dictator's stranglehold on the Rapture Central Computing District. Now, you got to keep in mind, Bioshock 2 is essentially, uh, it takes place after Bioshock 1 with parts of it taking place before Bioshock. So you kind of get this continuation of the story. So now that after you've... Uh, going through this game after you've beaten the game, you've you've released your daughter into the world uh, or killed her or whatever the case is, however you, you ended it, um, you're getting a continuation of the story to find out what's still happening underneath that water after you have left it. Um, 
it has, doesn't have a price announced for it, um, but it will have a never before seen type of new da- of Big Daddy, new plasmids, additional weaponry, um, and it will have. Uh, there's also going to be a, a what is it a, a Metro Pack and Protectors Trials for the existing Bioshock DLC for multiplayer focus. So it's going to have a lot packed into this, and it is since it's going to be their last DLC they're packing a punch to say we're we're not forgetting about this IP expect to hear from more from, from us later and honestly I want to see more of this I can't wait I actually haven't had a chance to play it yet so I'm I got nothing to add <laughs> I I love the first one and I'm looking forward to playing the second one. It's just a matter of actually finding the time to play it. So, yeah, no, I'm glad that they are continuing with it. The, the thing with this game, too, is that it is open to multiple DLC to continue the single story. It, it's all well and good to be introducing a lot of DLC to continue to to open up the multiplayer because a lot of people care about that. But I like stuff like we were seeing in Dragon Age as well as with Mass Effect where you are getting DLC to continue your single player campaigns that's just as important so I'm quite happy to see this you know and you hit the nail on the head don't forget about your single players multiplayer is great playing with other people is nice but giving me something that I can play by myself showing that you haven't forgotten that I can still be a lore nut that I still want that story that I still want something I can sink my teeth into with the lights turned down the audio turned up the 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 surround sound going and just want to be creeped out by the water drips by myself without having to worry about somebody you know some random 13 year old you know killing me by shooting me in the back and then you know teabagging my corpse you know I just want to be able to experience a full story well, the thing is, is that sometimes there's just nothing like playing with yourself. That's just what it breaks down to. This so with that, <laughs> All right, we're going to take a very short break, refill our drinks, and then we'll be right back with a little bit of Transformers MMO news. Greetings, true believers. Stan Lee here, welcoming you to the latest harrowing adventure of our high-powered hero, the amazing Spider-Man. The fact that I had something to do with his origin and that today he's one of the world's most recognizable and popular superheroes, well, as you can imagine, it's a great feeling. I've been asked what what aspects of my character do I see in Spider-Man and I would say his courage, his nobility, his sense of always doing the right thing. I would say the greatness in that man some way reminds me of me. I think the idea of a player being able to be four different Spider-Men in one game is just such a clever idea. It's like a player having four games in one. He can be four different versions of the same great hero. Spider-Man has had so many different villains supervillains. I think one of my favorites has been Craven the Hunter because he's a little bit different than most other villains and there's even something likable about him even though he's a villain. I think probably one of the reasons for Spider-Man's enduring popularity is the fact that he's probably the most human of all the superheroes. He has these personal problems, which makes it easy for an audience to relate to him. 
as Spider-Man is sort of the superhero who could be you. For the latest Spider-Man game news, check out spidermandimensions.com. All right, and we're back. And before we get into the Transformers MMO news, actually, Joe wanted to hand out the StarCraft II key to the winner. Last week, I announced that I was going to give away one of the free trial keys uh, that I received to a reader, listener that emailed me. Well, I did receive uh, several emails, actually, but one that really struck me uh, as probably the best of the best. And uh, I would like to read it to you guys right now today um, and kind of share it with you. So, hello, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time now, since the seventh episode with Borderlands. I really enjoy listening to you guys, and I heard that you might possibly give away a trial key for StarCraft 2. I've only played the first StarCraft and thought it was pretty cool, but it didn't grab me as some RTSs have. I really want to try it, but I lack the funds to purchase it. It would be really awesome to actually play it. Even if you don't give me the key, I will always be a loyal follower of your great website and podcast. Sincerely, Dasam. Well, Dasam, congratulations. You will be receiving an email tonight with the trial key. There's nobody out there more that understands how much a tight budget uh, can really hurt your wallet. So hopefully you'll find that this game is worth it. Hopefully you will enjoy all 10 days of that free trial. And thank you very much for your continual patronage of the For the Lore podcast. Awesome. That was fun. All right. Um, yeah, go ahead and have fun. I'm actually looking forward to bouncing in as well. As soon as I can get the uh, the site in order and everything going, then I'm going to be activating that to play through the 10 days. I just don't want to waste it. Even though I know that I'm going to be um, picking up the game later on anyways, but I still want to, you know, take the time and actually enjoy it. So going to the Transformers MMO. I don't know. I had said when we talked about it a while back, too, that I think that if done properly, it can do exceptionally well. Apparently, there's other people who feel the same. So how do you feel about it? Do you think that there is enough to it right now that it can do well? Honestly, um, the fact that they're starting with China really gives me a little hope. And I, and the, to be perfectly honest, the Asian market is was where Transformers really shine. It is like the, the the article said that it is a very household name in China, and they're absolutely right. I mean, hell, they made Thomas the Tank Engine into a freaking Transformer. Okay, him and his five buddies are a combiner. That's awesome. But that shows how much love and reverence they have for this IP. And I think it does lend itself actually pretty well to an MMO. I mean, even if it takes place, it's going to take, hopefully take place after uh, the War for Cybertron, but before or into the first series. And there's a lot of room there. There's a lot of play that they can go with, different worlds that they might have come across, so on and so forth. And there's a ton of, of comic books that they can pull from. And I think that that would really lend itself well, especially if they can steal that transforming engine that uh, that they really put to use in High Moon's uh, War for Cybertron, um, which is really probably the first Transformers game that's come out that hasn't sucked. But the idea of being able to customize your own Transformer, choosing a, a transformation mode, uh, choosing what type of character you're going to be, and going through a universe like that really does kind of seem exciting to me. You already have lines very clearly drawn. Um, you get, you know, your your Autobots, you get your Decepticons, you have some neutral factions throughout there. I don't know. I think it, I think it has potential. I really, really do. 
I feel it has a ton of potential. The IP has, the IP in and of itself has a ton of potential. But then when you look at it in terms of now an MMO, then we're looking at things like you said, where character customization is not going to be about picking your, you know, night elf hunter so much as picking what faction you want to be but also you know what 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 do you want to transform into what do you want your abilities to be what do you how do you want to do that which opens itself up to a lot of possibilities a lot of very very cool possibilities and then when you're looking at customizations in terms of again how you're going to look what you know colors the whether it's spray paints on you or custom paint jobs or anything like that as well really the there's a ton of things they can do with this and i mean it all depends on how it's presented i mean if it's like you know, it has the potential to also fall flat on its face. You know, it could introduce microtransactions and horrible grinding. You know, it could be it could be the ion of Transformers. You know, it could just completely leave a sour taste in your mouth. It does have that potential, but it could really be good. And I think that I'm I'm holding out hope that it will be good because I absolutely love Transformers. I absolutely loved War for Cybertron. And yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, who had 55 minutes, folks? Did anybody have money on 55 minutes? Because that was the Ion Dig came in at 55 minutes. So <laughs> I, I don't know who had that this week. So hey, there's, gonna, there's, less, a, there's a, there's a winner there. Normal, thank you. <laughs> All right, so the other announcement that we got this week as well was for Torchlight 2. Now, this has got people split down the camp because you got the people who are saying... Um, Multiplayer, whoop de doo how is this different than what Diablo 2 introduced over 10 years ago? And then you have the people who can appreciate that Torchlight is not Diablo, who are very, very excited about this. I'm in that excited boat myself. I think this is phenomenal, not just because it is going to be um, multiplayer. I mean, if they had just tossed us multiplayer, excuse me, nice belt chair, multiplayer on the existing Torchlight. I would have been excited. I, I I mean, I wouldn't be like flipping out, but I'd be really excited to be able to play through all that again with my buddies. I have a couple. But <laughs> they're actually introducing a ton of new content. This is not just a little tacked on multiplayer. They listened to everything that people were saying was missing in the first one and are tacking in a lot of that in this second one, including you're going to be able to do a lot of your questing and stuff above ground. There's going to be a whole bunch of different zones that you're going to be able to, to go through and not just the same old dungeons kinds, kind of thing. Again, making that then into a co-op multiplayer really does sound like it's going to be a blast. And I think that's, I don't know, I'm excited for it. And I really enjoy the fact that they're not releasing the multiplayer as just an addition to the first game, that it really is a standalone game. It allows them to just explore so much more than they would if it was just a simple add-on or addition. That said, I mean, the first game was a great setup. It was a great world. It had a great idea behind it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, the, it's not a Diablo clone. And I mean, it is and isn't. These are the guys that brought us Diablo. This is something they know well. But it's it's such a unique style of art for that type of game. It is a great 
fantastic fluid gameplay and it does have a pretty solid story behind it that I want to see expanded and I want to see this whole world come to life and to be able to do that in a multiplayer format to be able to hop in with like you Vince and Rick and just go to town uh, is awesome to be able to customize those characters male and female of both uh, both types of, of classes and, and adding more classes and adding more powers and adding more gear uh, they're just they're setting themselves up to, to kind of step into uh, basically, they're, they're on the next step to releasing that MMO. And that's the big one right there. And this is something that we talked about with Reckoning as well, with the Studio 38 boys, or 38 Studios, I should say. You're getting us immersed into your world to the point that when the MMO comes out, we're going to be very well aware of the world, the lore behind it. We will have invested ourselves in it by having played through the first two games so that really, again, I once that, that MMO comes out, we're really, really, really going to want to play it kind of thing. And what they're saying with this other one, too, with the, the new classes as well, there's a slightly different style, too, that you can see, like, with the, the, the concept art here as well, that very steampunkish kind of thing. It just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. They're taking what was great about the first one, improving on it tenfold to the point where you can then play it as well with your buddies Hours and hours of fun. I mean, look at oh, how many times yes. we ran through the same freaking levels in Diablo 2. Over and over and over and over again. Doing the same things, different characters and whatever. But most of the time, you you were playing with buddies. You were playing with friends. And that's what made it f just fantastic. And that's what we're looking at here. It, it doesn't have to be an overly complex game. It has to be a fun game. And this has that. Oh yeah, and and this is you. It just has so much potential baked into it, and I don't. I honestly have a very hard time feeling that this game even has a hint at a flop. I mean, unless they're charging me eighty dollars to play this thing, um, then it just. I'll be happy. I mean, don't forget the first game was it was twenty dollars, five dollars if you caught it on sale, ten dollars half the other time. It was a great investment. You got your money's worth out of it. From a price point standpoint, very few games delivered as much as Torchlight did from its release. Seeing Torchlight 2 being brought to life, seeing these boys be able to get their creative juices flowing and to use it as that stepping stone is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And what I like too is that like they're saying they're not you're not actually going to be able to play the original classes in Torchlight 2. They don't want it to be something that's just a uh, a continuation of playing the same old thing kind of thing, the same game. It's play. an evolution. So it is going to be something that is going to have a very different feel to it how you play. Because if you played the different classes in the first one, they have very different feels. I mean the game is the game is very similar for each one, of course, but the gameplay is very different depending on which one you played, just because of their different abilities and whatnot. And even then, within each, you can have different builds that made them more melee versus range and things like that. So here we're going to have something that's completely different from even that so that it is in and of itself a unique experience and then if they can really push the lore of that little world as well into Torchlight 2 to make us care even more about it discover new things about it and whatnot so that again by the time the MMO comes out we're just dying for more then I again like you said I cannot see how this could fail well and that's it I just I don't see how it can fail 
Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the last bit of news for this week. And that is with Guild Wars 2, which I, we've been saying how much we're excited. I, I probably outrank you guys in terms of excitement for this, <laughs> just because of how much I played the original and how much love I have for not just the IP, but for ArenaNet as well. Now, what we heard here with Guild Wars 2 was that they were talking about personality in Guild Wars 2. Now, what I like about this is what we've talked about time and time and time again with games like, well, the, the, the Bioware games, especially with your Dragon Age, your your Mass Effect, and what we're going to be seeing with Star Wars The Old Republic. Here, the choices that you are going to be making is going to make a difference in terms of how the NPCs are going to be interacting with you. So you're going to have the option in terms of how you want to be reacting and different things that you want to be doing in the game is then going to be setting you up for how the world is going to then interact with you. Now, they're not making it so that it's going to be quite as... Um I want to say invasive, but that's the wrong word. Not as set in stone as, say, Star Wars The Old Republic is doing. However, they are doing it in such a way that if you choose that you want to change your role at any point and you've decided, okay, you're no longer going to be evil, you're going to start working on being nice, um, you have the opportunity to then make proper choices proper choices you know what i mean good choices quote unquote so that then the npc factions are going to then treat you as someone who is good now the bonus to this not just in terms of the immersion level that you're going to get because suddenly you are sucked in is that if you are the type of player that does it, it, it is a role-playing game. I mean, if, again, if you get sucked in or if you are a role player in games, this is really catering to you. It, it just sounds like it's going to be, again, because you are going to be wanting to read all the quests and you're going to want to be taking part in this, it really sounds like it's going to be that much more immersive. And that's really exciting, you know, and you're right. Maybe your excitement does dwarf mine and maybe dwarf Vince's, but it is really, really nice to see that there's so much depth being baked into the game. And I think that's kind of huge. You know, it's that depth, that sort of personality that these games have uh, that your characters can then unlock or, or, or how you interact with the world makes a difference. You know, those are those are nice things I like to see. I like to see you know, consequence or cause and effect. I like to see I am a bastard, so people treat me like I'm an evil bastard, or I'm the saintly type of character, so people treat me like I'm the saintly type of character, you know, as opposed to, oh, you, you just murdered 30 women? All right, cool, here's the same quest that I'm giving the guy that over there that saved 30 women. And know? that's exactly it. I mean, when you're looking at um, the quest text that you're reading in any game, it doesn't matter how you completed said quest or doesn't matter what type of player you've been up until that point. Everybody's reading the same quest text. Well, here it's going to make a difference, which is what you want. You want them to be treating you differently based on your actions from that point on. So I, I understand that they're not going to be 
doing as much and won't be as immersive again as say perhaps star wars the old republic at least what they're saying the old republic is going to be in terms of your choices really having a huge impact in how the world reacts to you here it's going to be more in terms of flavor text and things like that in terms of how the the the, the npcs react to you but even that is enough to make a difference so that when you are playing the game it's a different experience depending on the type of player that you are going to be playing well, and, and I like that variety. I like being able to customize my game because every time you play through, like, and, and WoW suffers from this right now, every time you play through, even if it's a new character, if you're the same faction, eventually you're going to get to the same quests. To be able to play uh, as just differently, to be able to play, you know, the uh, same faction but a different class and make different choices and have a completely different experience is a huge draw for me. It's one of the reasons why we're looking forward to start Star Wars The Old Republic. But seeing something like that here, I'm, I'm happy for it. See, this is, uh, and we'll tie it back right to the beginning of the show where I was talking about being back in WoW. I was playing yesterday and Rick happened to be on. I play on the same server as Rick. And we're shooting the breeze back and forth. And there was two times back to back where I screwed up quests and I was waiting forever for something to happen because I didn't read the quest text to know that I had to, you know, you got to raise your hand to the freaking mules so that they run off in Northrend and Howling Fjord. And there was a couple of things like that where I hadn't read the quest because I'd done them already several times and normally I do read the quest but I've read them enough times so I'm just skimming by but I've <laughs> but I've forgotten now what it was that I was supposed to do but in a case like this you're going to want to read it again because you're going to want to play your alts differently than each other so that some of them are making quote unquote bad choices and whatnot so that you can see then how the world is going to then react to you so then you're going to want to read those quest texts you're going to want to read that lore so that you can you can experience it differently than you did before so with that we're actually going to wrap up the show we are a couple of minutes early but you know you trim out vince and it's like trimming out the fat there's you know, a it's, lot it's less amazing. yes um Vince is going to be back with us next week, hopefully, Damn. and uh, we will be back to normal. There's actually not going to be a comic podcast this week, but we will be back on schedule next week. Expect that the new site will be up. Uh, I said the 1st of September. It might actually be earlier. It's going very well, and I'm looking forward to everybody enjoying that, as well as the new podcast format. So with that, I'm going to let you go. I will try to have the podcast out for you all tomorrow, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Leave me alone. <laughs> you make it super quiet. So what? There's that better. God damn you type loud. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Vince, what the hell are you doing? You were supposed to be on holidays. Yeah, seriously. Oh, I'm on vacation, so I won't actually be on the show. I'll just listen. You lead a full life, buddy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is the old uh, old trailer. I love it, though. Well, and you said, too. You said that's the old trailer. Yeah, there's no new trailer yet. Oh, okay. Don't confuse me. Jump! <laughs> Don't hit the saw. That's ugly. Including giant spiders. <laughs> okay.
Careful, man. Don't don't play your groin. I'm standing. I wasn't tugging. <laughs> See, you type loud, too. I can hear you. Because <laughs> it's cheap and I'm trying to con cut down on my alcohol consumption. He's tired of crapping in tubas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. That works. Uh, I stole that. That's a line from a Robin Williams stand-up. <laughs> and Family Guy. Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. They stole it from Robin Williams because his, that was a long time ago. That was one of his routines. It is. And what else did I read? I read something else. It was bad. I just deleted the crap out of it. Like, get off my iPad. You don't deserve to be on there. Bitch. Get off. <laughs> I can't remember what it was now. It was that bad. <laughs> so whenever you are ready, good sir. I'm still yawning. Hold on a second, Jesus. Alright. Oh, Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the fat kills you. Oh, yes. And that's what Sammy does. He kills us a little bit each week. Just a little. 